Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. This episode is sponsored by Wooster, Purdy, and Hyde. Welcome to the Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast, the show created to help painting company owners build a thriving painting business that does well over $1 million in annual revenue. I'm your host, Brandon Pierpont, founder of Painter Marketing Pros and creator of the popular PCA educational series, Learn, Do, Grow, Marketing for Painters. In each episode, I'll be sharing proven tips, strategies, and processes from leading experts in the industry on how they found success in their painting business. We will be interviewing owners of the most successful painting companies in North America and learning from their experiences. On this episode of the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast, we host guest Doug Bates. Doug is the founder and owner of Bates Painting Company, a residential painting company based in Kansas City, Missouri, that currently does over $1.2 million in annual revenue. Doug discusses the journey he has had with Bates Painting Company since founding it 42 years ago, and he offers some very wise words of caution to help other painting company owners avoid costly mistakes that he himself has made on his journey. Doug shares an effective employee recruiting model he has created for his painting business and why he will only hire artists to work as his painters. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business, visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Doug, thank you for coming on the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast. Hey, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about Bates Painting Company. Well, I can give you a a thumbnail uh, real quick. I started out as a painter. I ended up trying to run a painting company. I went back to the field as a painter. And then ultimately, I figured out how to run a painting company. So that is a 42-year span. I started in 1979. Wow, 1979. Bates Painting Company. Bates Painting Company out of the Kansas City, Missouri metro area. Nice. And and what do you, you guys offer? You you focus on residential, commercial. What do you guys do? We're mostly res. We're you know a lot of people like to call themselves high end residential, and I'm one of those people. But uh, that mostly we're in the upper end residential and some commercial, uh, more tenant. Um, influence commercial like maybe doctor's offices or banks or that type of uh on the commercial end sure okay and so you have been running this business for 42 years correct and you and i were speaking briefly uh before we started recording here and you said that that you think a unique value you can bring to this podcast is how to do everything wrong well, you know, I've listened to several of your podcasts, and I know a lot of people kind of started out and are what you call self-taught. Yeah. I am uh, completely self-taught in both painting and business. 
So literally, uh, my first 1979 is the year I graduated high school, and I didn't. I had a job offer laying sod for four dollars and fifty cents an hour, mm-hmm. and my dad said to me, "Hey, how'd you like to paint my house for two hundred fifty dollars?" This is the house I lived in for my dad, two hundred fifty bucks. That's my first job ever, and that's 1979, and I have never had another job. So uh, it went from painting my dad's house to painting neighbors' houses. And then I didn't have a truck. I didn't even have a way to move ladders. I could only work far enough away to carry my own ladders. <laughs> and then my dad ran an ad. This is way back in the old days. I'm like one of those Geico guys. Like, don't don't turn into your parents. <laughs> I'm the guy you don't want to turn into, right? But uh, ultimately, my dad ran an ad in the paper, in the local Kansas City suburb paper, Grandview, Missouri, uh, for, for house painting. But we could only, I just, all I supplied was the labor. I could only paint houses that had their own ladders. So that's <laughs> as humble a beginning as you can get. And that was my summer job through college. And uh, ultimately, uh, one thing led to another, and I just kept doing it. And I've really never had another job. I tell people I've never been to a job interview. But then I think about the estimates that I do by the thousands. And literally, I've probably been to thousands of job interviews because really yeah. every estimate is a chance to to sell yourself or sell your yeah job right yeah i would say you know as an entrepreneur as a business owner we don't have one boss we have many many bosses exactly and uh, yeah. couldn't that be the truth yeah yeah so you started as a painter then then you owned a painting company and then you became a painter now you own a painting company what happened that's a, that you know what we're talking about 42 years here so this could go a long time yeah uh so I painted summers through college. I was in, I started college as an art major and the artist in me really uh, adapted well to house painting because I was really neat. I was good with cust- I was good with colors and uh, you know, I had a pretty good personality. And my dad had a, was, was helping me sell jobs and he had high integrity and kind of had, I was raised that way. And so uh, I ended up with, with, with just a lot of repeat customers after four summers of painting my, de- my mom and dad encouraged me to get rid of the art major and change to a business major. Mm-hmm. So I ended up with a business major and an art minor and I uh, got out of school. And I- I'm reminded of a quote from Picasso who said, uh, as a child, I could paint like an adult, but it took me my whole life to learn how to paint like a child. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of think adapted that to my business uh, ability and as a, as a college kid, I could paint like a grown-up painter, but it took me my whole life to figure out how to run a business. So uh, anyway, get out of school. I've got a lot of jobs coming from just the summer work that I'd done. I decided to give it a try. Rather than get into business, I decided to just be my own boss and continue my painting business. So by this time, I'm starting to work my way up a little bit. I'm out of Grandview by now. I have, a, I have a truck, I, I can move ladders. I'm working my way into higher and higher end jobs, just basically organically off word of mouth around the Kansas City area. And uh, for about the first 10 years I'm in the field, uh, you know, hiring friends of mine from college and friends of mine that are working summers and whatnot. And I really teaching everybody as I went. And I really had a, uh, 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 I don't know if it's a, a calling or a, just a natural fit to doing, to doing really fine work. 
So we we got a lot of jobs and we were did better and you know nicer and nicer painting and worked us well our, ourselves up over about 10 year period of me mostly in the field uh, to having a nice little well-positioned painting company in Kansas City with probably doing about maybe grossing three hundred thousand dollars but 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 getting on high-end jobs and having a pretty small company and with me yeah, alongside one crew and then alongside two crews and then splitting my time. And then just organically, we got, you know, the phone started ringing too much and it was hard for me to, to, to do the estimates and do the, do the office work and run the field. So about 10 years later, about 1990, probably I got out of the field and started just managing a company. Sure. And then uh, probably over the next 25 years, uh, that company gradually started to do poorer and poorer work. And it, it, I, I feel like a, the analogy of the frog that is in the boiling water. I mean, my guy, I, I couldn't see it. I, I was friends with all the guys. I was making different hires. I was using kind of changing my position by running the company and not being in the field constantly. Uh, to be honest with you, our, our work just started to deteriorate slowly, very slowly. At this point, I didn't really have the ambition to be a painting company owner or to be a successful painting company or uh, owner. It sure. was more just a job for me, and I was content to make enough money to pay the bills. And so, what this? Uh, my wife is my office administrator, and she's kind of uh, she's near me, and she's a big part of my story. So, uh, Donna, remind me. So, I, I brought her on board uh, about seven years ago. So this gradual decline of my company, at which time we, we always did around three, two, three hundred to $400,000 gross. Sure. So I was still able to survive and, and make the living that I needed to, uh, to, to, to get by. Uh, but I was just managing a painting company. In fact, uh, I wasn't that hands-on at all. Although I always had, I always ran it with high integrity. So we always followed through on all of our promises and made sure ultimately that the job was done right and the customer was happy. So there's a whole lot of stories in that period. But anyway, my wife comes on board. Uh, she had been a, in a restaurant business and was very successful. And she sold that business and was looking for a job and decided to jump on board with Bates Painting Company. And she kind of took a good look at my company and made some really hard and necessary suggestions. And she said, hey, you, you know, you're a great painter, Doug. You do great. You do. When you paint a house, it's art. She said, these guys are just painting. They're, you know, they're, they're just getting by. I mean, they're doing decent work, but not great work. Sure. She said, you're the best painter in the company. You need to get back out into the field. And let me, let me take, show them how it's done. Let me take over the office. So believe it or not, uh, about seven years ago, my, I went back out into the field after about a 25 year absence. Wow. Emerged from retirement. Exactly. I mean, I had always been working, but wow. I was just managing and running a painting company. Sure. I wasn't in the field. So I really offloaded all that, even the estimates to my wife who, you know, she's a, she's a very talented individual, to say the least. And I went back out in the field and started doing the kind of work that I was called to do. You know, the, the, you know, the art of painting a house or painting or 
selecting colors or, or, or applying at various applications. And then uh, we, we got rid of a lot of the old Deadwood. In fact, we kind of reinvented the whole company down to two guys. Only two guys stayed when I went back out into the field and then we just rebranded and rehired an entire company. And I'll tell you what I did is I went from hiring painters and trying to turn them into artists to hiring artists and trying to turn them into painters. And that, it seems like, it, it might not, it seems simple, but it's hard to find the artists that are really committed to having a day job that are, are, are really, um, I don't know, not flaky. So I, I looked for artists high and low that were had integrity. And then I brought in guys that were, that, that had that, you know, every good painter actually is an artist. So it doesn't matter what company you're working for. If you're a good painter, there's an inner artist in you. I assure you of that. But I went, I, I tried to find the guys that had, uh, that were artists like me uh, and then started to teach them how to become painters. And so now I'm back out in the field teaching again, and we just have completely rebranded. And at that point in, in seven years, I've gone, I've gone from 300,000 to, we just cracked a million. Congratulations. So yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm, I couldn't be more pleased. I'm kind of a reluctant million, yeah. million dollar gross guy, but in fact, my goal was never that high, but my wife and a couple of my lead guys are saying, hey, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. And lo and behold, we just started to, once we got the, some things figured out, things just started to multiply. And, uh, you know, we've made a lot of good decisions and along the way, and then we've made a ton of bad decisions. So that's kind of where we are today. So how do you, yeah, I appreciate that, that background. It's quite a journey. How do you find artists what's your criteria there you know um, that's a good question and to be honest with you we i tried uh, when, it, when when i used to hire painters we'd go through more traditional uh, means by which to find them but we have really uh just counted on our guys bringing in their guys so I, i've got a couple of really good artists that i think i was really fortunate enough to find guy by the name of Adam Peraldi and a guy by the name of Joe McClurg and uh, Mitch McDonald too. I don't want to mention I don't want to forget to mention him that came into me. I don't know if it was luck or, or hard work or integrity or prayer, but they came to, to me. And then basically we've worked by word of mouth to, to, to reach out to other artists that are, that are, actively looking to have a day job so we've got some musicians we've got a lot of uh, canvas painters we have everybody in our company is a is a more or less an artistic type uh and so finding them i think has been more through uh through the tentacles of other employees sure. than through just random random you know help wanted ads or indeed sure. or whatever Man, this is definitely interesting. Do you find that um, having this base of, of artists as your uh, workforce, do you find they take more pride in their work? Do you find, what are the pros and cons of that kind of a workforce? Absolutely, I think they take more pride. I think uh, if you're, 
if you consider yourself an artist, more than likely you're going to take a lot of pride and you're going to adapt to the art of painting. And so uh, I think that's definitely the advantage. And the thing about my company is that we do a lot of the what you would call artistic painting. So we do a, a we do some lime washing and we do some Venetian plaster and we do, you know, back in the day, I used to do a lot of faux finishing. We do some more of that now too, but I think they, as I brand the company as your home is our canvas, that's my painting company's tagline. Mm. I think the guys kind of really appreciate getting to work in some, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, upper end homes, Sure. And being able to create finishes that are sort of uniquely ours and that, you know, nobody else in town is doing exactly the same or nobody else in town is certainly doing any better. Sure. Yeah, I love that. I, I, do you run into any issues, you know, this idea of using your employees um, to help you find additional employees is is not entirely unique. I've not heard it in this way uh, of kind of, you know, focusing on artists. This is unique. Um, what are the pros and cons of that? You know, because because do you ever have you ever had an employee leave and then because it was your friend, you know, his friend that brought him, well, then you lost two employees or have you not had any kind of negative repercussions from that? You know, I haven't had a lot of negative repercussions, but you're always going to have that to a certain extent. So, yeah, everybody doesn't work out. And, yeah, I've lost a friend of a guy that works here. And then but we've you know, I, I, I'm extremely transparent company and I, you know, I'm 60, 61 years old now. So I'm almost like a father to all these guys. And I just try my best to make them a better person. You know, I care about all my guys. Yeah. I, I don't want to get emotional, but yeah. Uh, and they know it. So if it doesn't work out, it, usually we can figure it out that it's just not meant for them and, sure. uh, and move on to the next. But, you know, you kind of tapped into a, 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 a ongoing byline for painting companies is, is that fine line between coming friends with your co-workers and being their their boss sure and so you don't uh, you know now that i'm so much older it puts me in a way better position but uh it is difficult to uh to to work with friends sure uh, so to speak yeah yeah and one of the things you had had mentioned to me that is important is your guys tagline and kind of what that means to you and your company. You Let's touch on that. Well, your home is our canvas. And I think probably in the Kansas City area anyway, and I know I've heard other artists, I've heard other companies do this, but our specialty is color consultation and matching and sampling. So sure. I, I used to, you know, for years, I thought that was a pain in the butt because it takes so much time and it's just difficult. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of painters will just say, hey, when you decide on your color, give it to me, and that's what we'll put on. Sure. But I'm not like that at all. I like to I like to figure out what the customer is looking for, and then suggest sample, uh, uh, suggest colors that I think are in there, like a designer would. Sure. And then suggest the right sheen and the right placement of those colors. And I don't care, you know. I shouldn't say I don't care how many samples I have to put up because some people will test me. But I love to put up samples and make sure we get the right color and the right sheen and the right placement. That That is what uh, I embrace as an artist. I think at this point, I'm still an artist. I mean, that's that's what I am at heart. My painting company is definitely my day job. I'm an artist on canvas. Uh, that's what I do. That's my hobby. That's what I do in my evenings. 
that's what uh, all of my guys sort of have that same sort of mindset. Uh, so I don't, I, I lost my track there. <laughs> but anyway, the colors and the, oh, I know what I was, I know where I was headed. So you may or may not know of an artist named, by the name of Chris Stowe, who he is, uh, he's the guy that did the mountainside uh, umbrella installation in California and that did a matching one in Japan. And he's done a lot of wrapped buildings with, 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 with uh, curtains. Mm. Big, gigantic, multi—you know—worldwide installations. Well, he doesn't—he doesn't go out there and set a, a, a fifty-foot umbrella on a mountainside. He comes up with the concept, and then he hires a team that's able to, uh, yeah, uh, to execute his sure. vision. Well, sure. I kind of figure uh, now with fifteen employees. That's kind of the artist that I see myself being is I, I spend as much time as I can as, as is necessary to meet with the homeowner or the business owner and, and, and recognize their vision and then turn that into something that we can do and then oversee that, bring in my team uh, who all care about it as well and, and really execute the vision of the art of a paint job and, the, and your home is our canvas couldn't be a, a better applicable tagline for our company. Sure. Yeah, I love that. Now, are your estimates as color consultation? Do you charge for that, or is that free? No, that's another thing I put in my estimate. Is uh, that's color consultation, sampling, matching, all provided. So yeah. you know, we're 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 a higher priced company, but that's the you know that's the that's the secret sauce that you're getting if you hire a Bates painting company. I sure. I, I really have a lot of design. I mean, it's natural to me because I paint a lot on canvas. As a matter of fact. I mix uh, 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 house paints in with the ma vast majority of my canvas paint because that's what I know. That's what I was weaned on is the oil-based, you know, Benjamin Moore and Sherwin Williams oil-based paints. So I kind of work in the popular colors into my canvas scheme and it really keeps me fresh and current with all the, all the ongoing colors. In addition to that, we work for a handful of top designers. In Kansas City, so I'm always, I'm always around all the 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 color, the frequent, or, you know, the the, the current color trend. And yeah. That gives me a good opportunity to suggest, you know, and I don't even charge for it. It's just part of my bid for painting your house. Yeah, well, I love that. So, how are you getting the majority of your work now? Is it word of mouth referral? Yeah, you know what? I would say the vast majority is word of mouth. Even the days that my painting company was substandard, I always, I always was very well respected because as a as a business owner and as you know, me, Doug Bates, I was I always made sure that we got it right in the end. Sure. So word of mouth has gone a long, long ways in Kansas City, and it does everywhere. But the other thing that I will mention is we have we came up with a good logo that says your home is our canvas and paid to have, uh, you know, paid to have my autograph embellished into Bates Painting Company. And uh, we've wrapped four trucks with that logo and that uh, bait your home is our canvas. And I tell you what, I have got probably more positive feedback and calls off of people that have noticed our brand name on our trucks than anything that I've ever done marketing wise. Wow, so the wrap trucks has, has been a bit of a game changer then. I say that's a, yeah, it's been a huge game changer. We have a nice website that we 
had put together. Sure. And then the yeah, ongoing organic word of mouth is probably the number one thing. But the wrap trucks, if I was going to give tell somebody that's getting out there, getting a start, uh, that's that's a killer. And what I do, I don't own the trucks. I, I offer a monthly stipend to my guys if they're going to if they'll buy a white truck and and wear my wrap. And so it's kind of like, you know, you can do that for a lot of different companies, but I, I, I offer enough that they take me up on it. So now there, there, there's four of them around the Kansas City area. Wow. I love, do you mind sharing what you offer for that? Yeah, I offer $150, uh, $300 a month. 300 Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. So then they, so, they just, for as long as they're working for you, as long as yeah, they're... Yeah, well, there's a little bit more to it than the wrap truck. They've got to have a ladder rack and they've got to be able to, to haul things too. So there's a little sure. bit more to it. But basically you can, you know, there's a, there's an insurance way that you can keep that protected. And, uh, you know, my wife, like I said, I'm the, I'm the majority of the front office, but my wife is my office administrator. And so, so some things I don't even know that she knows, but I know that, I know that it's important in, in hindsight to make sure that you're covered in every possible way insurance wise. Yep. So, you know, the, uh, the value of a good night's sleep, that's what I call it. Yeah, I love that. So you don't want to get out there and be uninsured in any way. <clears throat> yep. So what do you, what's your role now? Are you primarily then training the guys or, or what are you doing day to day? You know, that's a, that's a great question. It's <laughs> kind of hard to pin it down, but I do the vast majority of the estimates. Okay. So I'm, I'm running 15 guys with my wife as the office administrator. Okay. And I really don't have another field. Uh, person, although I'm I'm probably right on the cusp of adding another person that's you know that's not painting full time. Uh, I have a couple of guys that do estimates for me on, a, as needed, but basically the biggest, the majority of my time is sales and estimates, and then I I, I try. I try to have four or five crews that are really well managed, so that I have four or five really good crew managers. But I end up going by. Uh, the jobs, you know, more than I probably should, but I just like to, I, I like to, I like to know what's going on. So yep. just like doing an art installation, I like to make sure everything is just the way I sold it. Yep. yep. So estimates and management are kind of my combined, uh, what I do now. Sure. Yeah. The quality control. So you've, you've obviously grown uh, quite a bit recently, you know, for, for such an established painting mm -hmm. company. You're entering new territory here. You've broken past a million. Mm -hmm. What are you finding to be the most challenging with this new scale? Well, I tell you what, continuing to expand the company and uh, and just keep up with the demand that we've created. I mean, I, I, I read a book, I think it was in a book called Good to Great, which is probably the best book that I've ever read in terms of uh, being a business owner uh, by, when I, what's the author? Jim Collins, okay. uh, and he talks about the flywheel. And so once you get the flywheel spinning, it takes a long time to get the flywheel spinning. But then once it spins, it's got momentum. And then it's hard, it, then it's just going to keep spinning by its own momentum. So continuing to keep, you know, at this point, I have 15 painters that I could use 20. So that word of mouth hiring new painters is... Uh, that's difficult. That's probably the most difficult is adding painters to the staff. The second thing is trying to figure out enough, uh, a way by which to add another person that's not a painter. 
an, a, a helper to me, another manager slash estimator and plugging that in. So as I continue to grow, which we're, we're forecasting for about 1.2 this year, we're probably going up about $200,000 a year since we've kind of reinvented ourselves. Yeah. So what, how are you, you know, when, when you have your employee and you are running W2 employees, right? It, it, it's yeah. I, you know what? And I've talked about, uh, you know what? And I've like, if we want to go back 42 years, I will tell you everything you could possibly do wrong. But I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm all W2 now. And I, I see the advantage in 1099 and, and subcontracting work. But it's really been important to me to keep the, my Bates Painting Company label on all of our work. And they, there's subcontractors that can do your type of work, but it's just a slippery slope because it's hard to get a guy to come back and redo something and redo something and redo something until he's got it perfect, you know, for you. Uh, when, he, when he thinks it was perfect, you know, six hours ago. Sure. So uh, that's the that, that's the thing. That's the slippery slope of of uh, of 1099 versus W2. But all my guys are hourly paid employees, and we have a we have a couple of bonus structures set up. Uh, but mostly, I I, I want to make sure that I can get the the finished product is just like I have in my mind, in my vision, and sold to the customer. Sure. Do you have any incentives or bonuses or anything that you pay employees who successfully recruit uh, other artists to come be painters for you guys. Well, I can't, yeah. I, I may, were you sitting on, in on this morning's company meeting? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we just talked about that. And I think I am going to offer maybe even like a $500 bonus if you can bring somebody in that lasts two months or something mm -hmm. like that. Because I'm in a desperate hiring need now. And I think part of it is Part of it is just the success of my company now that we have a better, uh, we have a solid management structure, but I'm just trying to be competitive with whatever's out there. So rather than just waiting for your friends to, to you know, come along, uh, try to get my guys to go out and recruit. And I, I, I'm trying my best too to kind of, to, to bring them in. But I'm glad you asked that. I think that's a, I think that's the direction we're going to go. Maybe a $500 bonus if you can bring in a guy that lasts two months. Sure. Something along that nature, because we are we're we're in a we're in a place of expansion. I think the housing market is so strong in nationally that it kind of affects every facet of the housing market. So people that all of a sudden their houses were two hundred thousand dollars more than it was two years ago. All right. of a sudden they can really validate spending a lot of money on a, on on redoing their kitchen or or painting their exterior or what or whatever. It's just a strong housing market affects every facet of of construction in my 42 years experience. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think you're right. Um, and I think you obviously definitely have the experience to know. So what, what advice, you know, you say you've made kind of every mistake you can make. Um, a lot of companies listening have been around for a lot less time than you've been around. Mm -hmm. What What are some... Uh, guiding principles, I guess, some ways to avoid some of the biggest mistakes that you've made, some of the, some of the biggest pains that you've had to endure. Gosh. All right. So here's one thing. I, I, I could tell you so many anecdotal stories. So let's start with one of those. 
Sure. Uh, being self-taught. All right, let's go all the way back. I'm fresh out of college. This is back in the early 80s, mid 80s. Uh, I didn't have any internet. You know, what you learned about painting, you either asked at the paint store or asked another painter. And I'm all about sharing with other painters. I, I, in my opinion, there's plenty of work out there. It's just trying to figure out how to manage it. So I, I love this. I love what everybody else says. I love what guys in, around Kansas City have to share. A couple of my competitors are good friends of mine. Uh, anyway, where was I? Lacquer. All right, so I heard a guy talking about stripping lacquer and I've had to strip a job before, but let me tell you about the very first time I ever sprayed lacquer. I've got a job for painting in the insurance office. It was a small office, uh, no bigger than a maybe, I don't know, 1200 square foot. Uh, and this guy wanted his woodwork stained and lacquered. Well, I didn't even know what lacquer was. I, I, I'm seriously self-taught and just out of college. And I had a little bit of familiarity with paints from my art background, but I didn't know anything about anything. So I bought a spray rig for this one job. And I decided that I was going to go paint, uh, spray this lacquer on the weekend because I didn't want anybody else there. Uh, the other construction trays on this small insurance office remodel. Uh, I didn't want him to know that I didn't know what I was doing. So I got it all ready and I got everything taped off and I was ready to spray the cycle with a brand new spray rig. And so I start spraying this room and I mean, the lacquer is going on good and it isn't 10 minutes. And I didn't even realize that you are supposed to wear a respirator mask to spray lacquer. It's a, a super uh, harmful fume that comes out of lacquer yeah. and in a, in a closed in area you've got a without a mask you're doomed so i sprayed as far as i could and i thought i can't i can't go on i mean i went through, i'm by myself on a weekend out in this back parking lot after spraying lacquer for about 45 minutes seriously no longer than that i thought i was going to die so i called i called the paint store and i said what's wrong with this paint i, I said i can't even breathe it and they're like well you dummy you know, you can't spray lacquer without a without a respirator mask. What are you thinking? Yeah. And so that's how self-taught I am. Uh, I mean, another thing that I get that I figured out is it's super hard to break from the field to the office. So you've got to have X number of guys doing X amount of work before you can afford to pay, you know, a guy that's not actually producing painted work. Uh, and I, I found that to, at about seven painters. So I think I could run a, a company off of seven painters with, with one office guy. Now I, I'm running 15 now, but that's also, I'm, I've got my wife working. Sure. Uh, I think that's a tr that was a slippery slope for me because as long as you're out there working with them every day, you're getting great work. You're getting, sometimes you're getting twice as good a work out of a guy as when you're not there. And so I, I just think every company, every painting company owner that I've talked to faces that same struggle. As soon as you're checking on the job once a day, rather than being there eight hours a day, uh, that that's just a that's just a tricky a tricky situation. Good hiring good help is uh, a blessing. Yeah, so. your numbers start to slip a little bit there. They do. They, I mean, I'm seriously, when you, I, I heard about a guy talking about how much more effective a guy was pay uh, subcontracted rather than as an employee. And I get that. I mean, essentially, <laughs> I've been subcontracted my whole life and I never got paid hourly. It's all I'm always calculating the cost of the job. Right. But painting hourly is a little different. And 
you know, you've kind of have to lay out a, 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 an amount of work or, or an expectation of work that can be repeated, you know, five days a week for the year. You can't just go blow and go everything and then get your money and then move on to the next job. So you kind of have to manage everything differently when you're the only one getting paid by the job and everybody else is getting paid by the hour. So yeah. You sort of have to empathize with that or understand that, that, that mindset. What has led you to decide that the W-2 route is the path for Bates Painting? Well, the primary thing is to keep all the taxes straight. So sure. I, I have, I, I, uh, I 1099 to everybody initially. Uh, initially, as I learned how to run a painting company and just paint, hired friends of mine, everybody was a 1099. In fact, I didn't even initially, I didn't even pay anybody hourly. We used to just split up the job at the end. And I would take, I would divide the percentages of the job between the guys that were working. And I'd just take a little bit higher percentage than everybody else. Sure. So in fact, all the way back to the beginning, I would even subtract the labor and even the cost of uh, you know, supplies. So I would like, if we had to buy a brush that came out of that job and, and move on. So it was all 1099 at first, but really there's uh there, there's a slippery slope tax-wise between having a 1099 employee and having a W-2 employee. And, and, and I can see it either way, but uh, 1099 employee, the problem is they get in a lot of tax trouble if they're not keeping them, themselves up, insurance-wise and tax-wise, both. They, they need to pay their social security and they need to pay their own insurance, you know, theoretically. And I just feel like, the umbrella of providing all that is all the insurance and all the social security is probably been the best scenario for my company. And like I say, I, I like to, I don't, I don't want to say I micromanage, but I like to make sure that everything gets done perfectly. Yeah. Uh, and, and that means if we go have to go back and redo something because it's not as good as I thought it should be, then we're going to do it. And it get, that gets slippery too when you're when you've subcontracted a guy and he thinks he's done and should be paid, and, and you think he needs to work several more hours to get it to the way you see it. Sure, that answers yep. your question. And sometimes I get yeah. a little worried. <laughs> no, it it absolutely does. I mean, there are, I think pros and cons to both. I think there are too, and I see the pros. I, you know what? A great company to subcontract is valuable because the you know it's human nature. If you're getting paid a thousand dollars a job versus twenty dollars an hour for the job you're going to bust that job faster at a thousand dollars than you are at twenty dollars an hour in, in yep. terms of total time spent yep yeah uh, aligning incentives um what is the you know you, you you talk about how the quality slipped and you guys um ultimately you made everything right what's the biggest customer blunder that you guys have made and how did you fix it Okay, so gosh, all right, forty-two years. There's probably <laughs> ten candidates, uh, but I've always fixed them. So I got—I'll go back to another one, a lacquer again. And I'm not a huge lacquer spraying company, but you, you can see why. So we did a lacquer job. I don't know if you remember. You probably don't remember. You weren't even born yet. Eighty <laughs> mid late mid to late eighties. All right, there was a there was white stain that was super popular. In fact, it's probably coming back. Uh, so you used to stain this this wood white, and then you'd lacquer it. But uh, there was a special lacquer that you use called water white lacquer. All right. So I got I, I was actually doing an architect's office, and he wanted all this white stained wood. 
uh, it's a pretty big job too. So back in the mid eighties, was a big chunk of work for me. And so all this wood had to be white stained. All right. Um, and, and then it had to be lacquered. So the lacquer, they make a, they make a, a lacquer that's clear, that doesn't yellow. All right, that was called water white lacquer back in the day. I don't know what it's called now. Probably you, you'd use an acrylic product but, or an acrylic lacquer. But anyway, back then, I just used the lacquer that I, that, you know, the amber colored lacquer that I'd already, that I'd always used. So we get that, that all stained white and sprayed lacquer, you know, fine finished. And it was just had this, you know, gold, greenish gold cast because that's the color that the, that the non-clear lacquer is. And I had, this was in an office building, downtown Kansas City. I had to go back in there and strip all of that lacquer off and then redo it the right way. And I probably got 10 stories that rival that one, but I'll never forget that because that was a pain. Yeah. But, you know, I, I've always seen it through. I've lost a lot of money on some jobs like that, but I've always stayed there to get it right. Yeah. So that, I take great pride in that. That's excellent. So you, one of the things you guys are struggling with, probably the thing you're struggling with most now is keeping up with the demand, you know, because mm -hmm. you, you created that flywheel effect. What would you say is going the best? What are you guys knocking it out of the park with right now as a business? Mm. I would say, I, I would actually say that probably the best thing as a business that we're doing is color consultation and color placement. Aside from that, Donna, remind me. The way that you've structured the company is the best thing you've done ever. Yeah. That's what's really working for you. Yeah. As a business, as a business, probably the way that I have the company set up is going the best. And in day-to-day work, probably the colors that I that people are are now now that I've now that I'm offering the service and, and it's getting out there, there's people that are calling me just to come and pick their colors for them. And I couldn't, you know, I, I think I'm speaking as the artist. <laughs> uh, I couldn't be more proud than when somebody comes and lets me really just just throws it open and says, hey, I trust you. Pick these colors, pick these sheens. And uh, that to me, that's what blesses my spirit. I think probably the why the, we're the most successful is because the way we have created a structure for the business. But that, that's not necessarily what blesses me the most. I never have really been like, I almost, I think I told you earlier, I'm a reluctant million dollar gross guy. Yeah. I kind of never set out to do it. Now that I'm here, I see the advantage, I see where I'm headed, but it kind of came, uh, yeah, I, I was always happy when we went over 500,000. I was delighted. Then when we went over six, I was happy there, seven, you know, so on and so forth. So. Uh, I, I'm just, I, I just feel blessed by the, by the whole thing. I feel like I'm really, you know, 61 years old. I, I feel like it took me about 35 years to find out what I wanted to do in life. I mean, I was always doing painting. I was always running a painting company as a job. And just now I feel like I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an artist. I'm yeah. an artist that's painting houses. And I feel like that is probably the, the overall reason that we're, that that we're having the success that we're having. Do you guys have any any kind of written company values? We've, we've got a lot of things that we're kicking around. So we've got we've got a company handbook. Uh, we've got some company values. I don't I I can't read a mission statement to you right now. 
So yeah, I, think I just I ask because you have such a you have such a strong presence. You know, I, like I feel like I could probably after this podcast write a mission statement for your company of some kind because it just seems that strong. And I'm sure you it's know, ingrained within your culture, but it's you know we've had a lot of podcast guests, but but very. I, I'm not sure I've ever felt s- such a strong mission, I guess, from from one company owner as I am right now. Well, gosh, what a what a what a kind thing to say. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna hire you to write that statement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> little bro, freelance gig know, here, write mission I, statements. I don't think I ha- I don't per se have a mission statement written out. I mean, I've got a lot of the policies and whatnot, but. But your home is our canvas. Pretty much sums it sums it up as our as the way we approach a paint job. Yeah, um, I really have a lot of good. You know what? I was circling back to a question you asked earlier about hiring people. I read an article from uh, that Warren Buffett wrote, and I like to read stuff like that where you you know I'm I'm not that well read or that well educated, but I like as it comes across. I like to pick the nuggets up where they go, but. He said, uh, what are the, the, there's three criteria to, to hiring, integrity, uh, enthusiasm, and intelligence. And he says, by far the most important is integrity. Because if you're enthusiastic and intelligent, you're really taking the company the wrong direction many times. So, and I feel like that entirely. Like, I like the guys of high character. And I think that we, I have got a bunch of guys that I, you know, I almost feel like they're my sons. Yeah. But I've got a bunch of guys that I can trust and that, that are really doing things the way that I would like to have them done. And that, that is just, you can't put a price on that. Yeah. What's your interview process like, you know, when, when these guys come in to kind of vet them? I usually vet them with three men and I'm quick to hire because I don't, I think a lot of times a guy can bluff his way through an interview, mm-hmm. but I don't think a guy can bluff his way through a couple of months of work. So it's, it, if, the, if a guy comes and I just have a good feeling about him, I don't care if he can paint at all. Uh, in fact, a lot of times it's better off in my company to bring in a guy that can't paint but wants to learn than the guy that, that, that learned how to paint the wrong way. Because sure. some of these guys, it's hard to break their habits. So that kind of goes back to the way I used to be. But I'd almost like to, I, I'm looking for a guy with high integrity that I just have a good feeling about. And anything else, if he can, if, if he can get there, if he's willing to work, if he has a good attitude, that's 75% of it. I take a guy with a good attitude over a guy that, that can paint good, you know, assuming that it's acceptable because sure. that, those bad attitudes, those bad apples spoil the whole bunch in a hurry. Uh, whereas a guy, if a guy has a good attitude, at least he's keeping things moving. And eventually if he's, if he's not cut out for this, it'll, it, it, it'll work itself out soon enough. Sure. So anyway, back to the interview question. I have to, I bring two two of my top guys in with me. So we bombard a guy with three guys, and then uh, usually you can just I just get a good feeling for. So it's way more about it's not about them testing themselves, but it's always better if they're available. So you can hire them and say, hey, go start tomorrow, and we'll have you work with this guy, and then we'll see we'll check back in in thirty days or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. What what um changes do you foresee in the painting industry moving forward or, or do you see the industry changing well i saw this on the questionnaire and i i think that i'm you know with, with my vast experience uh i've always been big on uh, on estimates by appointment only 
So the people that want me to do a drive-by uh, and tell them how much their house is going to go, I've always tried to stay away from that because I don't feel like that's my market. I, I'm all yep. about selling a, a high-end job, not not about giving you the lowest bid out of five. Yep. Uh, but I'm seeing more and more, there's people that are starting to get the idea that they can get a house bid and, and sometimes even done without ever meeting anybody face-to-face. -face. So there's all these you know, real estate apps and whatnot that you can see a virtual tour of a house. Sure. People are requesting pricing on, uh, you know, just by without even an appointment. And I think I'm quick to poo-poo that. <laughs> but nevertheless, <laughs> I kind of feel like that might be the way things are going. So I have been, I've been known to, to do a bit. In fact, I'm starting to kind of give some ballpark estimates on just Google view. Uh, based on an address and the look of a house, because if I'm going to do uh, the full the full meal deal with the Bates Painting Company, I'm I'm going to put a lot into that estimate and that whole proposal. Uh, so, so I, I I really think that's the way that things are going to change. If I can think ten years into the future, fifteen years in the future, there's probably going to be a lot less face to face interaction and a lot more online and Zoom and all this, you know. All this crazy stuff that you kids are so good at. So kind of using when we didn't have cell phones. So yeah, yeah. So kind of kind of that uh, technology. I really um, think that that's uh, that's yeah. going to be a part of every painting company moving forward, and probably not too far from now. Yeah, and that's been a theme that's come up again and again in the different episodes of this podcast is embracing technology, and mm -hmm. kind of how it hasn't come up as much as as the way you're bringing it up which is really in conducting the estimate and the sales process and kind of the ease of use for the, the homeowner, you mm -hmm. know, we're, we're all, we, we get our Uber eats and our Amazon and, you know, Walmart now does, yeah. you know, 99 bucks and you get free deliveries for the year. You know, I, I feel like yeah. I don't have to step out, out of the house. Ever no, again. you can hire a painter. Hey, take a picture of your living room. Yeah. I'll give you a quote. We'll come out and do it next week. Yeah. It's all done. I, you know, I'll walk out of my house. I don't know. Maybe I'll go outside in two months from now, whenever I feel like it, and there will be a new paint you know, new paint color on the outside. Be yeah. Great. You know what? I mean, with based on after 42 years of doing bids, I, I mean, seriously, I can almost, I can do a lot of them from the street. You know, it's yeah. really more about the feel of the job and the feel of what, of the depth of, of which they want that job done. Sure. Than it is the square foot or counting windows or counting doors. You know, that was, sure. that was, that was great when I was young, but it's, it's kind of all more experiential now. Yeah. Now that makes sense. Do you have any other uh, advice, any other thing you'd like to add for, for any of our listeners? Uh, okay, yeah, I do. I made some notes. So All right, uh, it's, your, I make it's your time sure, to shine. I'm an old-time guy, right? So I make sure that I return every single phone call every single day. So I don't clock okay. out at the end of the day. Yep. Uh, and my end of the day might be 5 o'clock. But I make sure that I've returned every phone call that I received that day, every single day, and text. And then even emails. I may not return every email, but I return every email within 24 hours. So I like to get everything. Uh, you know, Mark Cuban, the, he's the same way, returns every, all of his emails every single day. So I like to keep that precedent because I think people really appreciate that. I like to make sure that I get a bit, an estimate turned over within 48 hours. So uh, some people give an estimate on the spot. I usually kind of resonate on it and, and send them a, 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 a page of details. Yep. Uh, I like to make sure that they get that promptly because when the person calls you for an estimate, more than likely they're ready to hire. 
they don't start getting painting estimates till they're ready to have a paint job done. Yes. So that's another thing. Uh, I like to get the estimates in promptly. I like to, gosh, I, I shouldn't have wrote all these notes. Right? I like that's to, great, man. Keep going. When I do an estimate, all right, get this. This is good. I wish somebody would have taught me this. When I do a walk around the house with an estimate, interior or exterior with a homeowner, I, I try to clue in on key things that they say. Like if they call a, a you know, a, a corbel, a corbel, or if they call a brick molding, a window frame, I like to cue in on the keywords that they say and then write that as a detail in my estimate. So my estimate, a lot of estimates are just checklist. Sure. I like to line itemize what we're going to do just, you know, without being too wordy. And then in the notes, I like to include all, like they say, uh, persimmon tree must not be trimmed or persimmon tree trimmed away from the house. I like to re regurgitate that right back in writing so that they know that I listened to them and I paid attention. Uh, yeah, that's a big um, differentiator. That's a, that's a gold nugget if there ever was one right yeah, there. Um, oh yeah, last thing. I like to set up my Monday morning on Friday afternoon. And then I like to clock out and close down from Friday afternoon until Monday morning. So I know in this day and age, and to be honest with you, I'm always available by my cell phone, so I don't really do it, but I've tried to preach that to my guys to listen, unless there's a limb that's missing from a body or, uh, you know, there's severe bleeding. I don't want to be bothered over the weekend. If you can wait till Monday, bring it up on Monday. I think that's important because you can just get overrun uh, by running a comp painting company or any kind of company. I think yep. it's just important to me to have my to observe my Sunday as a Sabbath and to spend the all the way from Friday evening to Monday morning off work. Yeah. And that's how you last for 42 years right there. Well, yeah, hopefully I got a few more in me. I, like I say, I, I'm going strong now. I'm really enjoying what I do. And you know what, what I say, if you enjoy what you do, you never work a day in your life. Yeah. Uh, it's just now becoming fun to me. So I, I don't even think about how many hours I work. Man, that's amazing. Doug, thank you for this. This was uh, invaluable. Really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all that. You definitely have a unique perspective. Definitely a, a longer timeline than most of our guests here. Um, yeah, thanks, man. This was amazing. Hey, Brandon, it's my pleasure. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business, visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Hey there, painting company owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us your feedback. Let us know how we did. And also, if you're interested in taking your painting business to the next level, make sure you visit the Painter Marketing Pros website at paintermarketingpros.com to learn more about our services. You can also reach out to me directly by emailing me at brandon at paintermarketingpros.com and I can give you personalized advice on growing your painting business. Until next time, keep growing. Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.